Hey, Anna, remember that time Jonathan Larson tried to turn a dystopian novel into a musical? Remember That Time in Historical Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Webb. And I'm your host, Amanda Webb. This is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out on all their favorite moments in history. And here we are again in the same room. <laughs> Together again. We're on Guys, a hot streak. Hot streak. <laughs> what the heck is happening? We didn't think we would be. No. But we're recording later than we expected, and yeah. you happen to be visiting me, so I yeah. was like, let's, let's just, just do, do it, it here. It. Yeah, <laughs> yeah makes editing so much easier, so let's just do it while we're I together. know. Well, the only reason we don't normally is because we don't live in the same place, yeah. so <laughs> it would be a lot easier in general if we did. Yes. You should just move to Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not moving where you live. <laughs> no, you are not. Absolutely not. Uh, good call. Um, but yeah, we're here. We're doing another week. We're back again. Back, back, back again. Uh-huh. And shall we do a drink update to get started? Yeah, in case you didn't know, because you're looking right at me, uh-huh. I'm drinking some red wine. No kidding. Also, a little different today because it is a Friday as we're recording. Uh-huh. And so I've already had some before oh, we started, good. which is not usually nope. the case. <laughs> and also this particular episode, I think that's um that's good. That's I'm good. Be, that's a good mood. I'm gonna be a little bit lit in this yeah, it's one. Great. I think. I, it's I, great. I haven't had that much. It's right. just that they I've already gotten a little bit of a start. Yeah. So That's fun. That's good. I'm drinking water. I should have poured champagne <laughs> for this one. Frankly. Fully fully committed. I yeah. could have. But yeah. I'm drinking water because I worked all day with children and then <laughs> yeah. drove two-ish hours here. Yeah. So I'm just having some water. <laughs> as per usual. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know why you felt like you needed to offer an explanation as no, if no, you no. don't drink it every day. No, time. I know. That's just that's what I like. All right. Let's, okay. Let's just, let's get into I'm this. I'm so excited for this I'm one. also very excited for this episode. And I just, I have to apologize in advance. Because <laughs> this week we're going to talk about Jonathan Larson, uh, a person who Anne and I both care about a lot. This is, okay, so... It doesn't happen that much on the podcast yeah. that one of us brings a topic that both of us are, like, already pretty into. Well-versed in, yeah. Um, I mean, it has happened some. Yeah. But I'm very into this one. Yeah. I, I just... Uh, I, I I have to say, I only have, like, three pages of notes. Yeah, but, but we're going to talk. talk a lot. I did that on purpose because I just <laughs> knew that we would get you really said, out of hand really fast. You said, better keep it quick on the notes. Yeah, because just, like, it's who we are as people. And I just also have to apologize for how much we're going to sing uh, in this episode. We'll it's try gonna not be, to. Yeah, we'll see. But, yeah, we're getting into it. Can I ask you a question before we start? Mm-hmm. How are you liking recording under my giant paper <laughs> elephant... Um, it, for those who don't know, I made a giant sort of bust of an elephant's head out of paper and it hangs above my desk. And it is so, just directly above us watching over And normally us. when I'm recording, it's like, it's over me, but you can't see nope. it because it's in front of me. So I'm just curious how you're feeling. I'm, I'm feeling watched over. Okay, good. <laughs> We've named it Calliope. Uh-huh. So she's here with us today. Thanks, girl. Yeah. All right. Anyway, I'm sorry. It's fine. I just, out of the corner of my eye, I like, realized, caught like, it. 
Oh, Amanda's not used to this. Yeah. <laughs> it's just here. All okay, right. Great. We're let's, off to a good start. Yeah, this wow. is going to be a fun one. All right. Let's get started. So Jonathan David Larson is born to Nanette and Alan Larson on February 4th, 1960 in White Plains, New York. And he has one sister, Julie. And I kept trying to figure out if he's if she's older or younger. I think she's older, but I just couldn't find it anywhere. I'm pretty sure Julie is older. That sounds right. I feel like me. I've seen footage, like childhood Christmas footage or something, uh-huh. and she's older. I think. I that sounds right to me, but I'm anyway. just saying don't hold us to it. Anyway, um his family is Jewish. Uh, his grandfather moved to the US from Russia. <gasps> and changed the Family surname from Lazarison to Larson, right. which is like that's pretty common. Yeah, it's normal for the time period and for yeah. immigrants. Yeah, it, yeah. Uh, so when he's very young, his parents instill and encourage a love for performing arts and music in him. Um, he plays tuba and trumpet in his high school band. Wow. Um, one thing those I was, are two very well. Different. So one thing I was watching was talking about how he played trumpet and then at a certain point they needed more tuba players and he was so tall ah. that they were like kid you could you play the tuba please and he was like okay because okay. he was so tall he was one of the only ones who could fit in it that's so funny yeah um he's also in choir of course sure. and takes piano lessons of course and he also of course performs in several productions while attending white plains high school mm-hmm. um he his early musical influences are Elton John, Billy yes. Joel, yes. the Beatles, yes. the Doors, the yes. Who, yes, and also Stephen Sondheim. Of course, he loved that man so much, so much, so much. <laughs> and we we'll probably talk a little about it later. I didn't really add a lot of it in my notes just because I think it'll come up pretty naturally. But he does get like a light working relationship oh, yeah. with Sondheim um, later in his life, which is they very very cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Because they ran in the same circles. Of course. Yeah. Uh, He graduates from high school in 1978, and he gets a full-ride scholarship to Adelphi University for acting. Um, Acting. Acting. I I, I felt weird to put an acting major, even though I know that that's a thing. It just sounds weird coming out of your mouth. Theater Theater major. Yeah. Yeah. But they're... um, Program was more robust than that, so they had right. majors in acting. But where we went to school, yeah. it was you were a theater, theater major. major. Yeah, uh, it's during this time that he starts writing and composing music on his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he writes music for lots of student productions, uh, and by the time he finishes school, he's written a f- the full score for a musical written by his mentor and teacher Jack Burdick, uh-huh. uh, called Libro de Buen Amor. Yeah. And that's, like, his first full completed musical. I just... Composing is wild yeah, to me. I don't Because it. it's not something I could ever wrap my brain around. No. Not to say that I could write, like, the words to a show either. Yeah, but you can However, write poetry, so there's a line right, of thought there. I am a writer, yeah. so I understand how that works. Yes. Composing? No. Absolutely None. not. Zero. Couldn't tell you. No. Couldn't get even close to that. Yeah. Oh, also, warning, we're going to talk about the film of Tick, Tick, Boom a fair bit in this, oh, yeah. because I I like the, the way that they often visualize the way that, like, he writes. music comes to him. It's, it's cool. There's not a ton of that in there, but every time it's in there, I think it's neat. I have not seen the film yet. Yes. I, we won't talk that much about because it, but... I have- 
I'm weird with movies. Yeah. I can't like I have to like really be in the zone for mm-hmm. a specific movie mm-hmm. to be ready to watch it. And I haven't been there yet. But I will watch it, I yeah, promise. It's yeah. <laughs> um also while he's at school, he co-writes a musical with David Glenn Armstrong called Okay, here we go. Sacra Immoral Inority. Yep. Okay. I felt good about that. Nailed it. Felt good about that. I was very stressed and I wrote <laughs> it's phonetically. Per- yep. <laughs> no, well, here's the thing. It's not. It's written the way that the title is written because yeah, it's all one word, but, but I broke it up the, because I couldn't yeah. comprehend it all as one word. <laughs> I feel you. Um, That's me whenever I read anything in Russian. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. Just sound it out. Just yeah. sound out. <laughs> so um, after they graduate college in 1982, they rename it, thank God, Yeah. to uh, be called Saved. Saved. Not, not the same. I know, saved, but it's, but it's, it's yeah. written the same with yeah. like, the exclamation point. Uh-huh. Guys, have you ever seen the film Saved? It's incredible. This is a side note, but if you have not seen it, must, must, yeah. must watch Mandy Moore. Incredible. Also, Macaulay Culkin is in it. Mm-hmm. Great Jenna flick. Malone. It's so good. Yes. Yeah. Great flick. Anyway, it's called Saved in a Moral Musical on the Moral Majority, which so... is what that title, but the, at least it's that title in a pronounceable way. <laughs> Easier like, to say. Yeah, yeah. Like way wordier. Longer. Yeah, it's like the Panic at the Disco title of that musical. <laughs> the, oh, first, the first title of the musical is what Panic would have named the album. And then the second yeah, one is it, what they would name the song. It's very 2000s <laughs> yeah, yeah. emo alternative. In the 80s. Yeah. yeah. Um, it plays a four-week showcase in a theater on 42nd Street in Manhattan. And they both win uh, writing awards from ASCP, or CAP sorry, wow. um, for it. ASPCA. No. Commonly awards writing awards. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's his first little bit of recognition yeah. for his work. Um, and he graduates uh, college in 1982 with a Bachelor of Fine Arts. Uh, the summer after he graduates, he plays piano for a summer stock theater program in Augusta, Michigan, which always makes me think of... Wouldn't be a yes. nice summer in Ohio. Yep. Yeah, oh, here, boy. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Every time. Um but doing this earns him his equity card for right. membership in the Aquas, uh, Actors Equity Association. Yep. Got, got it in two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one drinking wine. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. We're I just can't great. speak ever. Uh, shortly after this, he moves into a loft apartment on the corner of Greenwich and Spring Street in Lower Manhattan. And oh boy, this apartment. Yeah. Uh, it's on the fifth floor. Yep. And it has no heat. Uh, the still a problem. Yep. Just FYI. Uh, the shower is in the kitchen. <laughs> it's like a tub. So... <laughs> there are pictures and videos of this apartment. Also in the movie is perfectly, completely recreated, like frame for frame. It's just so. It's just like, a tub and a shower. Like I don't know. There's one sink. <laughs> It's in the kitchen, so you brush your teeth over your dirty yeah. dishes. It's there. I know we have some listeners who aren't in America, but if you could just, if you could picture in your mind what what comes to your brain when someone says to you, New York City apartment. It's this. It's this. It's not the Friends apartment, y'all. No. It's, that's nothing like it. And also, it's this. this is not a parody of a no, bad apartment. This is what I'm this saying. This is real. This yeah. is what it is. Yeah. It's wild. Um... He goes through several different roommates That's while living thing. in the apartment. Yeah. So in 
Tick, Tick, Boom, there's a song called Boho Days, and there's uh-huh. a lyric that's 14 roommates in just four years, yeah. which is... Accurate. Accurate, yeah. Because yeah. um, as tiny as those apartments are, you can't afford to live in them by yourself. No way. Yeah. And he lives in Soho, right. so he is surrounded cheap. by artists, yeah. it's right? It's not like a cheap yeah. area. The, the bohemian lifestyle is real. Like, right. this, it's the life that he lives. Yeah. So everybody he lives with is poor. All of them. Right. They live on scraps. In tiny, tiny apartments. In tiny, tiny apartments while they all try to get famous. I'm going to start now. He works weekends waiting tables at the Moondance Diner. Classic. uh, For nine years and then spends his weeks writing and composing musicals. Right. So, like, he, despite having zero money, he treats his writing and composing as his full-time job. Well, yeah. Which is... Yeah, and then he... You work another job to finance your full-time job. Yeah, when, but he... When this is your yeah, profession. Yeah, so he only works weekends and makes just no money, right. but, you know. Um, while he's working at Moondance, he meets Jesse L. Martin, oh. who goes on to originate the role of Tom Collins in Red, which we'll talk more about in a little bit, but... I just love the role of Tom Collins. Yeah. I really don't want to get started. Uh-oh. Yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. Keep going. We're not even too red yet. No, that's not even started right. Okay. But I just love Jesse Obart. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, so let's let's talk about his first like big, mm-hmm. big Project. work. Yeah. Uh from 1983 to 1990, yep. he writes Superbia. It begins as a rock musical retelling of George Orwell's 1984. Uh, but That's a big undertaking. Yep, yep, yep. But he isn't able to get permission from the estate to adapt the novel. So he just like shifts it into a different dystopian future a story. It's a little bit weird to me that they wouldn't give him permission. Yeah, I don't know. I, got, I mean, they probably would have given a big name permission. If yeah. he had established himself. Yeah. After a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is a... Because they're like, I don't know who that kid is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. This is a quote that I just took straight from Tick, Tick, Boom, because I really liked how it was written. Okay. Um, because I just think it's a good premise of the show. Right. It's Jonathan describing the show in the in the movie. Um, a satire set in the future on a poison planet Earth where the vast majority of humanity spend their entire lives just staring at the screens of their media transmitters. Oh, what's that like? Watching the tiny elite of the rich or tiny elite of the rich and powerful who film their own fabulous lives like TV shows. Jesus so he just Christ. predicted the future yeah, well, and wrote a musical were. about it. Lots of people were predicting that. And turns out. Yeah. <laughs> Here we sure are. We're right. Here we are. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it like surrounds the this guy try, who's going to win a face award. And then it's like about which is so an influencer. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like about the award ceremony. The music thing. is incredible. It's weird. Yeah. Um well, yeah, it's definitely weird. <laughs> yeah, which it, we'll get into here in a second. Um, but yeah, it's that's his like. At this point in his life, he sees this as his life work. He's spent like right, eight years crazy. on this. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of time to spend yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it wins the Richard Rogers Production Award and the Richard Rogers Development Grant. Wow. But um, it, it gets some performances at Playwrights Horizons and a rock concert version. Um but it is never fully produced right. because it was just too weird for Broadway. Yeah. The people with the money were like, nobody's ever going to come to see this. Right. And again, if he were established, it, people would have come yeah. to see it because it's genius. Yeah. It's 
it's never been fully pr- produced still. I would love to see a, a reworking of uh-huh. it. Like, I would love to see it put on because the music is incredible, what I've heard. Yeah, I know. Um, well, he he did a little bit of it. Well, yeah. In Tick, Tick, Boom, he, like, yeah. got some of the songs in there, and they're beautiful. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it it's was just. the same show. Yeah. yeah. In 1990, it was just too weird for Broadway. Yeah, they just, fair. yeah, were, it was never going to happen. Um, of course, he is crushed by this. Well, right? yeah, he worked on it for, for eight, eight years. years. <laughs> eight years. And, like, his personality, it, he's very pretentious um in like the most oh, loving yeah. way possible you know like he just well he knows how smart he is he does yeah. he knows he's a genius and he knows that i, I try i don't know i'm trying to find he knows that his good work is be- going unrecognized yes and it's yes. disappointing yes yeah. yeah um so he uses the disappointment from the rejection of superbia to create his next Work. Yeah. So originally it's called 3090, 30, and yes. then it's called Boho Days, yeah. and then eventually it becomes Tick, 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 Tick Boom, Boom, which is a rock monologue. Right. It's not a storied musical. No. It's him on a stage with a band telling the story of like the week leading up to his 30th birthday right. and the weeks around um, previewing Superbia right. and talking and singing through it. Right. Um, it's performed off-Broadway at the Village Gate in Greenwich Village and then at Second Stage Th- Theater on the Upper West right. Side, which is where it was, like, recorded. That's the famous yes. production of it. Um, there's lots and lots of video of him doing this show. Yeah, I um, can't watch it. It makes me sad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't watch him oh, actually perform. It makes yeah. me sad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I when I was doing my research, I heard there was a... I was watching this video and there was a clip of him him singing one song glory and I broke down. Oh, I no. cried. <laughs> no. You can't talk to me about the Roger songs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um so it gets a lot of popularity and a lot of attention from producers. So well, it's not really anything like it. Yeah. But yeah. it's not as out there. No. And it's also it's not weird. something that's going to make its way to Broadway all the way, but it's Getting him the attention of the people who are now but invested in seeing what he's going to do next. Broadway people like this sort of thing. Yes. Because they go, oh, I know that story. Yeah. That's my story. Yeah. So. And they're able to see his talent and they can say, okay, right. now let's focus that into something a show we can put on stage. Yeah, yeah. Something people will come to see. Which is another thing that just like in general is a thing that he has an issue with. Like he is one well, of those. Yeah. He's, he's an artist. He, he's a bohemian. He's right. Like, he I'm believes in, in art for art's sake and yeah. not for money. It sake, makes me yeah. think of um, that Bo Burnham uh, in one of his specials where he goes, I can't remember which one, but he goes to his piano and he just goes, let me go back into my onstage persona. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. Just like, ugh. Yeah. And like hunches down. And that's what it makes me think of. Like, ugh, I'm an artist. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's finally starting to get a attention. little bit of attention. And I, we can talk about it a little more later, but eventually, much, much later, Tick, Tick, Boom gets adapted into yes. an actual story. Yes. It becomes a bi- biographical musical about yeah. John. And they, like, write a story around it that fits in all the songs with the characters of Susan and Michael. Yeah. Real people from his life, but it, like, shifts. So it's so interesting to me that that show started. It was like a one-man show. Basically. As a one-man show and then became an actual musical. Right. It's weird. I just think it's cool. Um... So, uh, 
there are a couple more things that he writes before we get to rent. We'll get to rent in a minute. Um, he writes music for J.P. Morgan Saves the Nation. Mm-hmm. Um, he writes a bunch of songs for Sesame Street. That's right, yeah. Um, and lots of other uh, children's songs like um, An American Tale in the Land <gasps> Before Time. Oh, um, for Well, for the book cassettes, yeah. yeah. Um, he writes music... Uh, he writes a musical called Mowgli, which I yes. assume is a jungle book. I've heard of that, this. Yeah. Yes. Um, he writes four songs for the children's video Away We Go. Um, and he performs in John Gray's musical Billy Bishop Goes to War. <laughs> um, yeah, so he, he is working a lot yeah. more now yeah. that he's kind of got the wheels Well, he's turning. an established yeah, A little now. bit more than he he's was previously, yeah. Um. So a, a couple years before this, roughly at this time period mm-hmm. for him, he gets connected with Billy Aronson, who is working on a modern updated version of Giacomo Puccini's La Boheme. La Boheme, yes. Yes. Um, would, this is eventually going to become yes. Rent. And so I had never read a plot synopsis for La Boheme oh. until just recently, because I knew that's what it was based on, yeah. but I just had never sat down and did that. It's yeah. Exactly the same. Yeah, it's kind of wild. It is. Like I, I was, I was like, oh, okay. I'm interested to see how this translates. And I went, oh, oh it directly. directly. <laughs> yeah, a different setting, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and more fleshed out characters. But, well, yeah, of course. But because it was book. an, op- well, it was an, well, opera. It's an opera. Yeah, yeah. Labo M was an opera. Um, so they worked together for a few dia- a few years, adapting the idea, um, like changing the setting. He thinks Jonathan thinks it shouldn't be set like downtown it needs to be in like a soho kind of environment because in the original musical they were all impoverished artists and impoverished artists didn't live in the parts of new york that it was originally written in um so they they bounce it around for a little while and then he leaves it for a little while he puts it away and then in 1991 he asks aronson if he can use the original concept that they collaborated on and make rent sort of his own Mm -hmm. musical and he agrees as long as he gets like a percentage of the proceeds right. if it ever makes it well yeah he, to, he, yeah. he wrote it yeah too. yeah yeah um so he doesn't like stay on to do a bunch more of the book but he still is the show wouldn't have existed right without his exactly book. yeah um and it's at this time that they decide not to set it in soho but in alphabet city right. in the east village because a lot a lot of aspects of the show are things from jonathan's life right like well, he yeah rod roger and mark together are, are like jonathan La- yeah 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 totally. but like the bit about the wood-burning stove yeah. in their apartment is yeah. a real experience that he had and yeah. um even like the character of maureen is loosely based sure. on somebody that he dated and like there's a lot of that <laughs> in the in the show yeah. um it is first presented as a staged reading in 1993, and then it spends the next three years, like, going f- hardcore actually through the editing process with producers and directors. Yeah. He's, like, finally at a point where he has a show that is Somebody's actively being up, workshopped, yeah, yeah, to the point where they are intending on making this show. Right. It's just taking a long time, which is, you know. It does. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, about to get sad. Here we go. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> so... Finally, Rent is due to start previews in January of 1996. And in the days leading up to the premiere, Jonathan starts having severe chest pains, shortness of breath, and dizziness. 
I'm so sad already. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have not made it through reading about this or writing about it this once without so crying. Um, he goes to two different emergency ro- rooms and is told that he just has the flu or that it's, like, the stress from the show that's, like, making him feel unwell. Um, and on the morning of January 25th, 1996, which is the day yeah. that Rent is going to begin previews, Jonathan Larson dies at... 35 of an aortic dissection caused by undiagnosed Marfan syndrome. Um, and if he had so been young. properly diagnosed at the hospital, yeah. there was a very simple surgery that would have saved his life. It's a, it's a livable disease. Um, it's crazy. But the, they just didn't notice the symptoms on his chest x-rays. And so he died. They And it's not even just that. Like, they should have admitted him whether they thought well, it. Well, he went to one he hospital and he such... felt so unwell, he went back to another hospital right. and said, I he still don't feel better. He was having such severe yeah. symptoms that mm-hmm. they should have admitted him anyway. And wa- like watched him. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, man. Yeah. It's so sad. It's, yeah. It, He's it, so young. It's And it's so sad just to think that like it was very preventable. Oh, yeah. Very preventable. I mean, he would have needed surgery, but a surgery that was not like a crazy surgery that had like well, super, super yeah. high risks. Like it. Yeah. And even so, you would get the surgery yeah. because the other option is obviously. Yeah. Not but but I mean, it. like not something that like would have been as risky as just like. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, in any way, he's 35. Yeah. So the risk isn't that high anyway. Uh-huh. Just in general. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. This so sad. This is the part that makes me emotional. So Jonathan's family is already flying in to New York for the previews and they give their permission for Rent to go ahead and perform that night. I'm crying. (laughs) Um, um, This is the part that always gets me. So Anthony Rapp begins the show and every show of Rent that follows by saying we dedicate this and every performance to our friend Jonathan Larson. Um, the cast decides to sing through the show, just sitting at the, like, three tables on the stage instead of doing a full performance. But by the time they get to La Vie Boheme, it's so high energy that they give up on that and perform the rest of the show. It's just like, can you imagine (laughs) seeing it? I can't can't imagine being there for that preview. Just, wow. Yeah. Um, this is a, a... Quote, I found, once the show was over, there was a long applause followed by silence, (laughs) which was eventually broken when an audience member shouted out, thank you, Jonathan Larson. It's so sweet. Oh, no. (laughs) I've had wine. I love rent so much. Oh, no. I've also been particularly emotional about this recently in the light of Stephen Sondheim passing. Well, yeah, because that it, too. Partially because they their close relationship, like, knowing that, like, it, it, it breaks my heart that Stephen Sondheim outlived Jonathan Larson. I was gonna yeah. see that earlier, um, and I didn't, because, I was like, it's too sad. He, that he, like, mentored him, and, yeah. and, 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 and then you know. it just makes you think, like, wow, how much more could he have created in general, but also with Sondheim like as, as his a, mentor yeah. basically would they have created something together yeah. probably yeah it's just it's heartbreaking yeah but then I think about like this particular moment makes me think of right after Sondheim passed when all of those Broadway oh. performers went out 
in Times Square and saying Sunday. Oh, and they all, then I get yet sadder because <laughs> in Tick, Tick, Boom, he parodies yes, Sunday. He it's just like... Man, if you have any love at all for Broadway, that just it's it it runs deep it's the emotions emotional. of the whole thing. Well, live theater is emotional to begin with, yeah, because of the way that the work goes into it from both the writing and acting perspectives, mm-hmm. and you have to think like, I don't know, it's just very intense. Like your yeah. emotions are up all the yeah. time. So I can't, like, I can't imagine having been at that preview no, and just, like, yeah. seeing those actors do yeah. something like that. Because they decided, like, the most honest way to honor him would not be to cancel the performance, no, but to, to display so his good work. Yes. Well, and it's just, that's also crazy to me to think that, like... It's not like the first perform, you know, com- the there's a new production of Company yeah. right now. Right. And that premiered like r- right a couple days after Sondheim passed. Right. So they were had the time to process and honor but, him through that. But and Company has been around for a long time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's time. that's not but what I what I'm getting to with this is like he had been dead for hours. Yeah. And they did this. Yeah. I just think that's so beautiful. I don't know. Oh. It's just like, oh, yeah, it gets me. And I get s- sadder yet, but we'll talk about that a little bit more as we talk about okay. how successful the show was as okay. it went forward. Well, I was going to yeah. add, then you also think about, like, yeah, this the is what content is, of mm-hmm. the show. This is, is what this I was going to say. Going? Okay, yeah, yeah. Ahead, well, I was just going to talk about how successful it was, and then we can talk well, about, yeah. I was just yeah. going to say the content of the show is also emotional, mm-hmm. because you have to think that a lot of the people in that audience... Also, new people who, who had experienced all of that who were dealing with AIDS, mm-hmm. and it's such a heavy theme in the show mm-hmm. that it's like you add that on well, top of it. Well, it's just that you know every it's so socially intense. Every person in that audience was someone from Jonathan's life who had experienced right. the things that he wrote about right. in that show. It was just made for that group of people. Ugh. But then you think like. Everything that that show has done for musical theater in general. Oh, yeah. And socially everything that show has done. And it just breaks your heart to know that, like, that is all he ever worked for was for that. Even once. Yeah. And he didn't get to see it. It's so heartbreaking. Uh Every time somebody's like talking about this, I'm like, he didn't get to see it once. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He didn't even get to see it one time. Mm -hmm. It's harsh. Yeah, it's harsh. He worked for all those years just trying to get one show yeah. on the stage, and yeah. Um, so it plays through its planned engagement, sold out, and it keeps getting extended, and um, it moves to Broadway at the Nunderlander Theater on April 29th, nineteen ninety six, and it plays there from its debut until September seventh, two thousand eight, and it's the eleventh longest running show in Broadway history. I love it. And he never got to see it. No, it's so Ugh. sad. Um, uh, for his work on Rent, he's uh posthumously yep. awarded. You did nail it. <laughs> um, the Pulitzer Prize for Drama. The Tony Awards for Best Musical, Best Book of a Musical, and Best Original Score. The Drama Desk Awards for Outstanding Book of a Musical, Outstanding Music, and Outstanding Lyrics. 
the New York Drama Critics Circle Award for Best Musical, the Outer Critics Circle Award for Best Musical in the Off-Broadway category, and it just, like, a a thousand more. It goes on forever. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was so incredible. And one of the, like, things that this musical gets credited with a lot and something that Jonathan was really passionate about was, like, bringing a younger audience to Broadway. Yes, totally. Because the music was so... It was a rock musical. And, again, the subject matter really appealed to what younger people were... What cared about. Cared about. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, he had this deep love for theater and Broadway that he got when he was young, but he recognized that it was, like... That's not the same for everybody. No, and, like, all the things that he was interested in in that were, like... old man's game you know what i mean sure. like he was a he loves godspell and all the sondheim right. classic you know well, like he loves yeah. that stuff but he also is inspired by all of these modern rock right. musicians and so he finds a way to bring that together and like half of the contemporary musicals more than half of the contemporary musicals that we have now would not exist without rent it they literally did a musical with Green Day's music that yeah. is almost essentially a copy of Rent. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. The music's fabulous, mm-hmm. but it's like, okay, yeah. you know the show. But just like, I think about like half of the musicals that are very popular right now that oh, yeah. are, again, getting young people into theater that would not exist without Rent. Right. Lynn would not be the writer that he is without no. Rent. No. Absolutely not. He, Lin-Manuel Miranda is heavily influenced by oh, Jonathan Larson. Um, there's no way that anything that he's working on would exist without this show. No. And just the community in general would be a completely different. Like, what this did for, like, diversity in the theater. All of those roles yeah. in so many of the roles in Rent are not white. And, you know, you've got gay characters uh-huh. and other characters that are part of the lgbtq community Mm -hmm. and more than that like you've well not more than that but you've also got it's just it's not normal to see a show full of like it's so colorful like that's the yeah across the spectrum yes yeah and like what they're and for me it really showcases that like White poor people i knew this is where you were going yeah should be able to relate more to people of color than the rich white people that are mm-hmm. trying to get them to be like, hey, you're more mm-hmm. like us. And that, like, you see well, it. There's a visual like, representation the, of it You know, you think show. about the turn of Benny's character, right? Like, oh. he finds a little bit of that wealth, but he ends up back with his he's like, These friends the because he understands like. that they, yes. yeah, they get him, yeah. Uh, and all, and like, it's, you know, Jonathan was white. He was Jewish, so he had a certain level yeah. of that experience. But it's like you're saying, he lived in poverty right. with this group of people, like the well, characters in Rent. And the like big those, that was of his show, community. Yeah, like you say, with Benny mm-hmm. is like this is the character that's like this is the rich person trying to tell you actually you're more like me. You should strive to be like me. But the reality is you're not, mm-hmm. and you're never gonna be. Mm-hmm. And so you should just you know, build up the community that you have. Mm -hmm. And like, it's just, I love this musical so much. Mm -hmm. It's my second favorite musical of all time. Only second to Annie. (laughs) I love it. I Mm -hmm. love it. Yeah. The music's so good. And I, I I just think that the messages of community in the show, this has turned into a rent podcast (laughs) now, (laughs) which is fine. We're a rent cast now. Yeah. I I mean, hey, (laughs) (laughs) um, but that, 
I think is through a lot of Jonathan's work. Yes. Like when I when you think about Tick Tick Boom, like it's not just a love story between him and Susan, but also between him and Michael. Yeah. And between him and every person that he like yeah. meets at the diner and yes. the people who are in his show. Like it's a it's a love letter to the his world community. that he lives yeah. in. And so is Rent. Like and so I actually do have a hook to get us back. Okay. Because after his death, his family starts the Jonathan Larson Performing Arts Foundation to provide monetary grants to artists, especially musical theater composers and writers, to support their creative work. So the Jonathan Larson grants are now administered by the American Theater Wig. Right. Um, thanks to an endowment funded by the foundation and the Larson family. So this is something that I think he absolutely would have set up in oh his lifetime God, yeah. at, at this point, right? Well, if to, he thought he'd ever have the money, yeah. Well, it, I don't think he even expected but, to. But, you know, like, Rent was always going to have this success. I don't know. Well, but, yeah, I mean, it but... It would have had success. Yeah. But would it have been such... Um, the tragedy is a, a huge part it's of the... A, it's a hook yeah. for an audience. Yeah. As sad as that is to say, yeah. it's true. Yeah. And also, it provides motivation for the people involved with the show to really push it. Yeah. Right? So would it have gotten the push? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, yeah. You would like to think so. Yeah. Well, but even if so good. Even if it hadn't, he would have gone on to continue to write right. incredible It would have been successful. Yeah. Would it have been... Ele- the eleventh wrong. Ing- I don't know. Yeah, Would yeah. it have run for as long? I don't yeah. know. It's hard to say. Um, but but I do think that like at, if if he had continued to have success at this point in his life, this is something he would have oh, set yeah, up for sure. because he believed in this, of right? Uh, helping these young struggling artists be able to see his his great tragedy while he was working was yeah. that nobody believed in his vision enough to give him the money that he needed to do the work, right. and so giving these young people who have the vision right. enough money to get started is I think just exactly what he believed in and like would have done himself yeah (sighs) yeah so that's that's all I have because he only lived to be 35 years old right you know like that's that's his short and wonderful life um but yeah that's I knew we were gonna rant just rant about, rant about rent. rent for <laughs> some time. I could have talked about it more, but I won't. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we did not sing a single rent song. Hey, yo, I sing a, a little, little bit, bit from a totally of the last five musical. years, yeah. but zero rent. I. It's been a struggle mm-hmm. because. Yep. I don't. You've said I you, referenced a tick tick boom song before we sang a rent song. We talked about. Tom Collins. And then we talked, we about, talked about Benny. One Song Glory. We talked about One Song Glory. I mean, it's just saying the word rent is yeah. like the opening. I, can't. I really hope um, that our listeners uh, know anything about the musical <laughs> rent because we really just dived right into that conversation assuming everybody knew everything about rent. Well, listen, it's an easy Google. Right? <laughs> yeah. Look up the quick, mm-hmm. you know, synopsis of rent. It's Don't watch the movie. Um, I, I mean, mean, watch you the can movie. Watch the movie. I here's what I'll say: the movie's worth it for the actors. Yes, it's because it's the original. It's a lot cast. of the original yeah. cast. They mess with the timeline and they pull songs that you wish they hadn't pulled. Yeah. The thing to watch is the stage show, of course. Mm-hmm. And the recording of the stage show is from the final run in two thousand eight. It's. Fabulous. It's incredible. And 
the best part is that at the end, a lot of the original cast come out and sing with them. Which yep. Makes they me sing. cry every time. Seasons of Love and every we all Every time I watch it, yeah. I cry. Yeah, um, also, hello, have you ever met a theater kid not immediately brought to their knees by Seasons <laughs> of Love? <laughs> yeah. For sure. Oh, man. I love that show. Same. Yikes. I love Jonathan Larson. I just think that he's incredible. I already, he, he had already been on my list. Like I'd wanted yeah, to do an episode with, on him in a while. And then I watched Tick, Tick, Boom and wept through the last 40 minutes of the movie. And I was like, I have to do one right now. I have to do <laughs> the episode on him right Larson. now. I need to tell everybody about Jonathan Larson. So here we are. Yeah. That was a good one. Thanks. I mean, we got really on a yeah. long I knew that, that we would. I, I knew that we were going to spend a lot of time talking about it Rent. It really did become about Rent. <laughs> yeah. But that's okay. Yeah. Um, you know, like you said, his life was short. So we had to talk about the thing that was left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that, that was a really good one. Thanks. Um, don't know what it's going to be next time. Yo. I've been considering going back to my... Old standby, some aristocracy or yeah, something, yeah. but haven't really made it. It's a been a while yet. since it's, we've had a we haven't had a royal in a I good know. long while, and I've been thinking about it. But I'm gonna have to decide like which one. And you who, know? who deserves your energy this oh, week? Oh, that's a that's a separate issue. <laughs> <laughs> My energy level is a totally separate issue. Um, so not sure what it's gonna be that's next fine. time. But um, we hope you all enjoyed this episode. Sorry, we got a little intense. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you found any of this at all interesting, please check out all of Jonathan Larson's wonderful works. There are lots of places to do so. Yeah. Um, If you have topic suggestions for us in the future, or if you have questions or whatever, you can email us at rememberthatpod at gmail.com. Um, you can also find us on Twitter at RTT pod. We're also on Facebook. I always say that even though who uses Facebook? Really? Yeah. Um, if you would please leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to this podcast, that would be great. And if you want to find me on the internet, I am at the real Anna Webb. And I'm at ACW Nerdfighter. All right. We did it. Same room again. Next time, I don't think we will be, but mm-hmm. I we'll was, see, because we said that last time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting here trying really hard to figure out if there is a rent lyric that I can work into oh. leading into our goodbye, mm. and I can't find one that is correct. Does goodbye love work? Uh, <laughs> I guess. I don't think so. Anyway, I guess. Until <laughs> next time. <laughs> Remember that time. Remember that time.